Hey there, language hackers. Shannon Kennedy here to introduce this episode of the Language Hacking Podcast. In this episode, Benny Lewis and I chat with Nikki Pershaw, a Polish-American language lover and online language teacher. We chat with Nikki about a wide variety of topics, everything from what it's like to study abroad to her linguistic studies at university, what it's like growing up bilingual to what she's doing to raise her son with multiple languages, and how, with language learning, finding little moments of time to learn can be the key to success. If you've ever considered studying abroad, studying languages at university, teaching online, or raising your kids with multiple languages, there's a lot to get out of this interview. One more thing before we start, just to say a big thank you to everyone who's taken the time to leave a review for the Language Hacking Podcast. It really helps us share with others about what it's really like to learn a language. There was an interesting review from Saycats who wrote that the podcast has casual, fun discussions full of help, actionable nuggets, a great one to have on while doing pretty much anything. And I'd agree with that. It's always a good idea to have it stack and listen to this podcast while you're completing other tasks, whether that's driving to work, washing the dishes, or exercising. So please, if you're enjoying this podcast, leave a review at languagehacking.com slash review. That's languagehacking.com slash review. We really appreciate hearing from you and we read every review that's shared. You can find all the links and resources mentioned in this episode at languagehacking.com slash 10. Let's get straight into our interview with Nikki. Welcome to the Language Hacking Podcast from Fluent in Three Months. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Language Hacking Podcast. Today, we are joined by Nikki, and uh, let me see if I can say this correctly. Is it uh, Bursha? Da, exactly. Okay, it's excellent. Bursha. So, Nikki Bursha, um, and we're going to be talking about uh, language learning with her today. Yes. So, Nikki, why don't you go ahead and just jump right in? Tell us a little bit about yourself. So I'm Nikki Persha. I am a Polish-American language lover. I'm a foreign language teacher and translator, and I love all things languages. Um, my company is Speak at Home Tonight, and I help people and companies learn to speak different languages and do lots of different language-related projects. And I, I'm just excited to talk to you guys a little more today. And yeah, it's been really fun to just think about and kind of reminisce about all the journeys of languages that I've been on so far. Why don't you tell us how you got started with languages? Yes, so I'm Polish-American. Um, so I grew up speaking Polish um, at home and I grew up in the United States. So I learned English when I went to school. So I um, grew up speaking Polish and was always around a lot of non-native English speakers. So I, I feel that I got used to kind of um, figuring out what people were saying or what they meant to say. It was really interesting to kind of um, realize that I um, am making mistakes speaking Polish when I hear a lot of non-native English speakers speaking English. So it was um, kind of the first realization I had that, oh, okay, not everybody speaks two languages or not everybody's parents don't speak English who live in the U.S. Um, and so I, it's... 
my whole family, um, all my relatives live in Poland and while I was in the U.S. So when I would go to Poland to visit them, I realized, wow, my Polish is not as good as I thought it was. I want to be able to communicate better with my cousins and have fun and be able to play. So I remember one trip in particular when I got back home to the U.S., I was like, okay, that's it. I'm only speaking Polish. I'm going to do everything I can to just really be able to, like, have jokes and meaningful conversations with people besides just thinking, oh, yeah, I can communicate. But um, that really motivated me and, and helped me realize that, okay, I can get better at this. And as I went on in school and started to learn languages at school, I realized, wow, I really, really love this. I want to be able to communicate with as many people as I can. I want to learn other languages. And I realized that I was kind of good at it, but not that I was good at it. I just realized, okay, this is how I learn best. This is how my brain works. So if I keep doing these things, it'll, it'll help me to continue to learn more. So yeah, I just I just want to, uh, before we, you go on with your story, I want to um, go back a bit to that initial time that you were, um, you went to Poland and you would speak Polish with your family and you, you realized, you know, you had a little bit of room for improvement. I know a lot of people who listen to this may have been in somewhat similar situations where they would try to use a language either with their family or the first time um, abroad as a younger person and maybe felt so intimidated by the fact that their language level wasn't high enough that it put them off learning the language for the rest of their lives. So um, I'm very pleased that you went in the opposite direction with this. But what do you think was a driver for that, that you took this fact that you had room for improvement and you really dived into it? And what kind of inspiration do you think you can pass on to people who might be feeling, my level isn't good enough, therefore I should quit? Oh, yeah. I feel like that's the biggest challenge, like this kind of um, fear that you have or the judgment that I feel like with myself, I feel like I felt embarrassed um, making mistakes. It's so awkward and can make you feel not good inside. But the fact is you can't do anything. You're not going to be perfect the first time you do it. So just practicing over and over and just being brave enough to just speak. It's the most challenging thing to get over, I think, with language learning, especially from the beginning, um, or any time really, even when you're maintaining languages. Everybody feels awkward and everybody feels like, oh, I'm gonna make a mistake. When I hear myself, sometimes I'm like, oh, that was the wrong case, or oh, I just used the, the wrong, you know, the whatever word. And I know I did. And later on, especially if you record something and you hear yourself, you're like, okay, that's my mistake right there. But if I didn't try, I wouldn't even know that I made a mistake. If I'm not trying, I don't even know, you know, anything. So it's like, there are so many benefits to actually forcing yourself to do it, to talk to someone. And even you know, everybody has those bad days, everybody has those bad conversations, but then that day that you have the good conversation or that someone understands you or you make a joke and they laugh and like that, that just keeps me going. I feel motivated by that because I'm like, yes, it's possible. I'm going to remember this and use it in a sentence and it's going to be good. Going back to your story, you had mentioned that you started studying languages languages in school, and I know that you've actually gone through and formally studied language teaching. Can you talk a little bit about that and how that experience 
um, helped you when you went out and started working in the language field? Yes. I, um, when I, when I was growing up, I got to um, visit my family in Poland and that kind of showed me that, ooh, travel is possible, but I didn't have a lot of money. So I was really trying to figure out the best way that I could travel while, you know, either earning money or something like that. I was just like, okay, I want to see the world with my own eyes. I'd love to be able to visit and see what it's really like and talk to people on the ground. So um, when I was in high school, I looked for scholarships and I found a scholarship so I could study abroad for a year. And I ended up studying in Germany for a year with the Congress Bundestag Youth Exchange Scholarship through AFS. And um, it was a full paid scholarship. So it was like, you know, I had to convince my parents to let me go, even though I was 15 years old, um, to move to another country completely alone. You don't get to go visit. You're there for the whole year. And this was before video calling also. This is back in 2004. So it's a, it's a big difference to, you know, be able to really immerse yourself in an experience. And that really opened up my eyes. It was the first time that I met other people in real life who were interested in languages because I got to meet the other scholarship recipients. Um, so finding that and having that opportunity to get to go and study a language that I really wanted to learn how to speak and to be able to do it in person and live with a host family. And really that was the, the first time that, you know, I didn't know that there was, there were other people out there who loved languages and who were also, you know, trying to pick up things in different languages. Like, Oh, I just know a little bit of French or just, I go to the library and learn this for fun. And, and being able to be like, wow, there are other people out there just like me who are big language nerds. It was so, it was so inspiring. And I'm friends with so many of these people still today. And we meet up all over the world when we can, and when we can't, we meet up like this and see each other. But it's, it's really, um, that really changed my life being able to study in Germany. I was like, this is amazing. I can't believe I get to do this. Going to school there. I was like, this is, um, helpful in so many ways to see that I can adapt and um, just keep going, trying every single day. Um, I obviously see improvement because every day I have forced to, to speak this language and, um, and being able to realize after a while that, you know, you, you can listen, learn, repeat what people are saying and become fluent in another language. Um, so that really inspired me and hearing, especially in Germany, people speak a lot of languages. It's not uncommon to be very multilingual. So that really inspired me to keep going. And I wanted to challenge myself as much as possible. So after that year, I decided I wanted to study Arabic because I wanted to really switch it up and see if there, if I could figure out how to learn Arabic. I'm like, okay, this got a totally new alphabet. So I studied um, Arabic on my own. And then when I went to college, I studied German and Arabic um, formally and also got my master's degree in foreign language education. Um, and it was very different experience learning Arabic, especially because I was learning in the U.S. and I was trying to immerse myself as best as I could. Um, but this is another situation where, you know, you feel 
awkward to practice speaking. You're like, I'm going to make so many mistakes. Everyone's going to laugh at me, but there's no way I'm going to get better unless I try to speak the language. And I noticed that it was a bit difficult to learn Arabic, obviously. So thankfully I had some great professors and I decided that I wanted to try to um, study Arabic further. And I took the opportunity being a college student that I studied at the Arabic Language Institute in Cairo and had an intensive um, program at the Arabic Language Institute. And um, that was an amazing experience to just be able to study in Egypt. And so traveling and being able to be there in person has helped me to learn how to immerse myself in ways even from home because you can really like explore another country and another language in so many ways from home too. So it's not just being able to travel to, to get there. Yeah, absolutely. And um, like yourself, I've, I've uh, gone around, traveled, and I've immersed myself in the languages. But um, as you were just saying, you have a master's in foreign language education. So I'm, I'm very curious, um, especially because I come from a, a very different uh, background. I studied engineering and I got into language learning in a much more informal way. What do you think would be the biggest misconceptions people have with formal education and what kind of a role can formal education play in the modern language learning space? Because I know people like myself tend to have a little bit of skepticism mm -hmm. with formal education just because of not so much fun experiences in school. Oh, yeah. But obviously there's more to it than that. So what are your thoughts on that? Oh, I, I can completely agree with so many people have just, you know, terrible memories. Um, but then, you know, there are some great teachers and that kind of um, person who figures out your learning style and really encourages you or motivates you in the way that you study can be really helpful, especially when you have, um, you know, it's difficult um, depending on you know, whether you're in high school or in college or an adult going, um, looking to learn a language formally, if you have um, a teacher that you really trust, they, they might have a lot of information, a lot of methods, a lot of little tricks that they've learned along the way. I feel like there are so many things I learned from colleagues that I remember and use and we kind of passed information between each other, obviously, of like, oh, this really worked with this student. You know, I couldn't, figure out a way that, to explain this to them, you know, um, that kind of just the fact that, you know, you, you might find a great teacher who knows how to speak to you, but I know it can be challenging. And as far as your background and what you're doing today, you said you own your own company, Speak at Home Tonight. Can you tell us a little bit about what inspired you to go that route? Yes. Yes. So I, um, I also um, speak a few other languages. Um, my husband is from Croatia. I met him in the US and um, it was very exciting to meet him. I didn't know a lot about Croatia. And of course, at the time, I just thought this was a great guy. And I, um, I, I, I figured out that this was something special and we ended up, um, I, we ended up moving to Croatia together and um, living there. I was teaching foreign languages and doing a lot of translation work. I learned Croatian while I was there. And my husband loves to tell people that I became fluent in a month in Croatian. And I'm like, ah, stop, I didn't. But he loves, my, my in-laws love to tell that story too, because I really just went for it. I um, 
I listened as much as I could and it felt, you know, so strange to be at a dinner table, um, living with my boyfriend's family and just listening to them talk and wishing I could be a part of the conversation. And I spent um, some time just listening and then I started trying to repeat what everybody was saying and just use it in a sentence and see if it was coming out right. And sometimes it wouldn't come out right, but it just really, um, I very quickly learned how to kind of hack the Croatian language because I would just hear people saying, da, 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 može, može. I'm like, okay, if I just say that, I'm going to sound so Croatian. So just that made me be able to be a part of a conversation, even if I didn't understand completely what was going on, you can kind of understand a little bit. And that made me feel like, okay, I am becoming a part of this conversation. So that experience, and then I continued to, to study Croatian and traveled a lot throughout the Balkans and um, learned some Serbian and Bosnian as well. So really, um, it was just an interesting uh, and amazing experience to, to be able to learn the differences between languages, and, you know, it's just exciting, exciting to be able to understand uh, different people and their cultures. So living abroad, um, it really just helped me to see that I, I love teaching in schools and teaching in companies, um, but I realized that I could do it online as well. And as it was an interesting jump to move to teaching online. Um, and it's also fun how many people along the way I kind of taught how to use video conferencing systems so that we could do it. But you can just learn so much from so many people. It's, it's really, it's really amazing. So I was really inspired to, to try and see what I could do online, like I was doing in person in different places. And it allowed me to be able to work from home and move to different countries. And I moved to Slovenia for a few years um, before moving back to the US. So I live here now. And um, now I'm teaching my son as many languages as I can. And it's, it's a really different experience than just focusing on my language learning to now be teaching a baby different languages kind of totally from scratch and seeing what works for him and figuring out a 15 month old's learning style. Yeah, and um, I'm like, love is obviously at the center of a lot of people's language learning story. And um, I know that a lot of people struggle initially if their partner maybe speaks another language. And especially because you said you, you met your current partner, you met him uh, while you're both living in the States, so not in Croatia. And you right. hadn't you hadn't learned Croatian yet, so um, I know you were saying when you were in the country and being exposed to his family, that's different because his family, presumably a lot of them may not have spoken English, so that that's a level of immersion that's much greater, more likely to push you. But those that that initial, I'm very curious to hear how did you initially get into Croatian, given that you likely would have already established the relationship of the language to be I presume English or maybe another language that you guys shared in common, right. like. How did you get into Croatian, uh, getting through that barrier that you were used to not speaking Croatian with your then boyfriend? Yeah, yeah. So um, I was very intrigued to learn Croatian because I'm like, okay, this is like another challenge. It'll help me get to know him better. Um, I'm invested in him. So I was like, okay, this is, you know, the best motivation and also the, um, you automatically kind of, you know, 
and not everybody um, has a partner who's a great teacher. That's definitely not true. But I decided I was like, okay, I knew his parents didn't speak English. So I got a Croatian phrase book. I studied that cover to cover, tried to learn all these phrases. I immediately started using them and they were like, what are you saying? Nobody talks like this. Um, this, nobody uses that word. This is a very textbook thing to say. So I then, and I just started to make a list and keep a list of um, different phrases that I knew for sure people used and that I heard people use. So, um, and then I just tried to use them and had a lot of, you know, um, conversations where, you know, I would be describing the thing rather than using the word. I'm like, you know, it's the round thing that you use in the kitchen and you'll fill it up with water, but you know, just trying to describe what, whatever I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, so just starting, you know, with Croatian, especially at the time, there were not a lot of resources. Now there are a lot more. Um, so really just, um, me using people that I could ask questions and, um, you know, the, the few resources I did have, I just built on that as much as I could. And some of these resources that you're kind of building on as you were doing this, is that what ended up kind of becoming some of the materials and, and sources that you use to teach languages? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And especially, um, just figuring out the way I learn best. It's really different than everybody else, which is as a teacher, I can see that my learning style is totally different than other people's. And I, it's, it's always fun to take classes for me because I love to see what other people are doing and kind of see if that works for me too. I really need to see it, hear it, write it, repeat it. I have to do everything. I can't just focus on one aspect. Um, I won't remember. So I have to keep doing it. And um, even today, I, I like to, you know, keep repeating things as much as I can. It's so easy to forget. And it's so easy to get demotivated when, when you, when it's not coming easily but I kind of just try to force myself to do it. I try to get myself in the mood just to get there mentally and just do something that's kind of, especially lately has been my biggest um, takeaway. I have been forcing myself to do a little bit because a little bit is better than nothing. And just every day doing a little bit, even just a few minutes, just to keep it sharp, you know, whether you're going over, you know, vocab list that you've made yourself or you have a book that you like to use or writing an email to someone or writing a, a DM on Instagram, you know, doing something, sending a voice message, you know, just something to keep it going. Um, even if I don't feel like it, I try to force myself to do it. And it's not easy, but just I'm, I'm telling myself, hey, at least it's something. And maybe tomorrow I'm going to have a even, you know, better learning session. Yeah, that's a really important tip that um, no matter how chaotic our lives get, as long as we're doing something, yeah. that these little bits do build up over time to produce something uh, much greater than we imagine in the day-to-day -day, um, amount of sprinklings of time. Um, and of course, your, your life has changed dramatically from previously when you could just travel all over the world whenever you wanted, and uh, now you have a family and you're, you're, you've got a, a base. So... Other than finding those little snippets of time, um, what kind of like uh, language learning projects have you had recently and what other methods do you implement 
given your your new lifestyle and your busier um, lifestyle, how do you get use out of your languages? Yeah, it's been really fun because, you know, I'm trying to teach my son um, languages as well. So I'm multitasking um, in some ways. Like if I, especially now at home, if I want to do a workout, I try to do it with a video in another language. Um, it's something is much more motivating about doing push-ups when you call it Liegestutz in German, you know, mm. just do or whatever, you know, just, it's really um, a way to, you know, use both sides of your brain too. So um, I love to do that. I try to FaceTime and, you know, chat with friends and family around the world. And, you know, a lot of people speak different languages. So being able to do that and, you know, now, um, when there are, you know, my son, he's only 15 months old, so he really doesn't mind if I want to put a show on. He's very excited about it, especially having like Netflix, you can change the audio to different languages and he loves it still. So I'm like, great, let's listen to this in another language. So I'm getting something out of it too. So we can kind of keep it going. And, you know, I always love YouTube. So many people on YouTube and so much that you can just learn. And one random thing that we, my husband and I have just discovered if you're, you know, waking up, your baby is teething or you've got, you know, you just can't sleep, you've got insomnia. Um, we found that counting in other languages, especially something tricky, like counting from like, you know, 100 to 200 in French or in Arabic or whatever. It's a weird way to challenge your brain and it might just exhaust you that you'll be able to fall asleep. It's random, but we've been doing it and it's so funny. We're like, oh, that was kind of interesting. Like, oh, isn't it funny, that number, how funny it sounds? I actually kind of want to circle back because you mentioned doing stuff with your son again, watching TV on Netflix and things like that. And as a parent who's also raising their kids to speak multiple language, I'm curious to know some of the things that you've done with your son, like what works, what you noticed um, keeps them engaged and things like that. So what kind of tactics are you using that you've found to be effective with your son? Yeah, it's so interesting, especially it's I feel like it's really different with your own children than it is when you're teaching other kids. So I have to try to sometimes remind myself, just do this like you would do with someone else's kids. And it's interesting. I've heard other teachers have the same kind of experience because with your own kids, you have to realize they they're very capable. They can do so much more than you think they can just like teaching other kids. So I um, use a lot of um uh, like total physical response learning methods, you know, just like very exaggerated um, movements. He's so young still, so he's like very into it and everything. And we listen to lots of songs and try to make up our so own songs and translate the songs that we're singing. So like, you know, there's a very simple one that's like, you know, hello, how are you? I'm fine, fine, fine. And then I switch it up and sing it in German. I'm like, hello, wie geht's dir? Mir geht es gut. And like when I wake him up from, or he wakes up from a nap, and I ask him, how was your nap? Was it good? Um, and then he'll say good, or I'll ask him in Croatian, kako si spavo, il dobro? And he'll say do. You know, those things that just... Um, you know, we're using a lot of languages at home, which makes me sometimes nervous, but I'm also like, no, he is capable. He will, um, he'll be able to learn this now and, you know, hopefully keep repeating it later. So we're using a lot of Polish, Croatian, English, and sometimes German too at home, just 
because I like to speak German. It's fun for me. Um, so yeah, we're um, doing a lot of, you know, dif different things also with like learning up and down and in and out and just switching that up in different languages. Um, and, you know, sometimes saying something in one language and saying it in another language. Um, my husband mostly speaks in Croatian to our son. Um, and then I'm switching it up a lot. And I find myself just switching all day long because um, I want him to be familiar. And yeah, it's, it's very... Very funny. We also have been singing the alphabet song. Um, there's not really a, it's just funny to hear the alphabet song in different languages. And we're just singing that and we're like, yeah, you like this one. And do you have any uh, longer term plans in terms of um, like language schools or like um, bilingual nannies? Oh, yeah. I, ways that the, the two of you in, in the house would kind of uh, share language like uh, situations that you might uh, be speaking just to kind of give consistency or like what, what plans do you have to move forward with it? Oh, I'm hoping to, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that it just becomes second nature and normal to him to speak in multiple languages. And, um, you know, luckily we have family members who speak other languages, so we can kind of encourage that because I saw for myself that, you know, you if you're motivated to talk to someone, you'll learn how to speak in that language so you can communicate with them. Um, so I'm definitely being very present at the moment and just trying to get through day by day with, um, you know, seeing, just seeing the progress that we're making every day um, with what we're, we're doing now. And we'll see in the future, hopefully you can go to, we have, um, right now we're living in the U.S., we'll see what's going to happen in the next couple of years. We definitely are open to moving again, um, but we'll see. So luckily um, there are international schools in our area, which um, if, I mean, if I had the opportunity to go to international school at a young age, that would be amazing. There's a French international school here in our suburb in Pennsylvania, which is amazing that the kids are going to school in French. They're learning other languages as well. Just think it's, such an amazing opportunity and um, I taught at an international school in Croatia and I, I just loved seeing the multiculturalism and just it's it just an amazing way to really open up your perspective and realize that you know you, people are people everywhere and it's great to, to, to be able to learn from one another. I know that one of the things that you really like to focus on is accents and so for a lot of learners, accent and pronunciation tend to be one of the things that they feel the least confident about. So what would your advice be to someone who wanted to focus on that area? Yeah, I definitely recommend um, either listening to something or watching something and listening and repeating it. It's it's the, the way that you can get your mouth used to different, using different muscles and just practicing saying it over and over again. Um, when I, when, if you take like an online lesson or something like watching, recording your teacher's mouth, the way they're saying it, it's just, you know, helpful to see and then try to repeat it. And um, listening to a podcast slowly and just saying the words as they're saying it, you know, um, same with, you know, if you're singing a song or just watching, you know, uh, some a, a video clip of something, being able to repeat it and try to mimic that sound has been helpful for me. And just listening like, oh, they kind of 
drop the R there. You don't really hear that. Okay. And realize that you can mimic it. And even if you're like, oh, I, I don't speak with this kind of an accent, but you can try. And even if it's that one word, you say it really, really well, because you get it down, it makes you feel like, okay, I can keep going and, and keep getting better at this accent. So as, as well as focusing on accents, the, um, as you were saying at the start, you have uh, quite a range of many languages under your belt. So another thing that people always worry about when they want to get into the more advanced stage of, uh, of learning, not just one, but multiple languages, is how to not mix them up. So how do you not uh, just come out with some Arabic words when you're trying to speak Croatian or Polish? Like how, how do you keep them separated in your mind? Do you have a process? And what would you recommend for other people to do? Yeah, I really like studying multiple languages at the same time. I feel like I like to switch it up. Um, even if I'm really focused on studying, like really focused on studying Arabic, and then I start a brand new language, just feel like it keeps keeps me, you know, I just feel more motivated to be able to switch it up, like a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And then, you know, it's just more fun for me. Um, but yeah, so I... Um, I definitely notice, though, you can't always keep it completely compartmentalized. It's going to come out. Sometimes I don't even notice, and it happens, and I'm chatting with someone, and we're speaking in German, and I and I look at them, and they, they're kind of looking confused, and I realize I must have said a word that was not in German. It was like, that's not a word, um, and that happens, you know? But it's, it's, it's something that, you know, you just – you – you want to just, when you realize you've said something in the wrong language, just kind of go back and be like, okay, I'm back. I'm back. I'm thinking in German or I'm thinking, you know, even if you are a beginner, just what you know, going over what you know in your head, going over it again, just start counting, start saying what you know, the phrases so that you can get your brain back into that language and you can, you know, kind of go from there. But I'm, I'm definitely, you know, growing up speaking Polish at home, I definitely would use a lot of Polish words and say them with an English accent and American accent. And I would think, um, oh yeah, that's English. Like I didn't know the word for slippers when I was in elementary school and I was trying to, it's like, yeah, these are my capchis. They're like, you know, no, capcha are not capchis in English. But I was like, everyone's gonna understand that. Um, so you gotta, you know roll with it. <laughs> Given that you've studied such a diverse range of languages as well, I'm curious to know because this is a question we get asked a lot. Do you find that language interference or language mixing happens more with similar languages like Croatian and Polish or do you find that it just doesn't seem to matter or do you I'll, I'll yeah. stop there. <laughs> I find it doesn't seem to matter for me. It's definitely anything goes. <laughs> it happens. It happens. It's like you know, it's, it's interesting, too, when um, when you realize that you're like, oh, I used the right word, but in the wrong language. OK, got that down on my list. I got that in my head. Yeah, but it definitely happens with with every every language. It's so funny. <laughs> and um, I, I wanted to move on to uh, hear a little bit more about Speak at Home tonight. So what exactly um, do you um, share with people on your site and all your social media and what projects do you have related to your, your, your core business? 
Yeah. So right now, um, so my, my company speak at home tonight. I like to encourage people to learn how to speak another language and speak from home. You can learn at home. Um, so I, right now I'm doing a lot more projects that have to do with translating and subtitling. It's something I really enjoy. It's a lot more manageable also. Um, being at home with my son full-time, but I typically love to teach people online, teach different, you know, strategies and help people to become conversational or whatever their goals are um, for learning to speak another language. Um, I have a blog with lots of different blog posts on it. I, um, I like to share a lot of, um, one thing that I haven't mentioned, but I really find this is helpful for a lot of people, especially and people of all ages. Um, I have different prayers on my website in different languages. And that's one way that really it's a fun and different method for practicing to speak another language. If you're religious, if you, um, if you pray in one language, you might find it interesting to pray in another language to try and do, uh, you know, mass in another language. Now there are masses streaming all over the world in every country. So you can literally visit any church anywhere in the world and do, you know, participate, learn how to say a prayer in that language. It's really, it's a really um, interesting way to, to like correlate the different languages in your head. It's, um, it's something that helped me to feel really fluent in the other languages that I spoke, especially when I went to a wedding or a funeral or something of in, it was in another language. And I realized, wow, I can, um, I can really feel like I belong to this community if I can participate in their language. Um, so that's something that, um, I definitely see a lot of visitors on my website looking for stuff like that. And I just know how helpful it was for me. So I wanted to provide that for other people so they can easily see, okay, this is it in English and this is it in another language. Um, so yeah, that's, yeah. I also like to make different videos, just simple um, ways, especially for beginners who are having trouble with hearing or understanding spoken language um, that that's always helpful for me. So I try to make things that are, would be helpful to me and hopefully they can help someone else. You just mentioned how important it is to feel a part of a community when you're learning a language. So I'm curious to know a little bit more about your experience with that. You've lived in so many different places. So you've obviously had the chance to, you know, join or participate in a lot of different communities. So I'd love to hear about your experience. Yeah, it's um being um, brave is the biggest thing. It's um, it, everybody feels awkward sometimes. Everybody feels like, oh, do I, you know, have something to say, whatever. But it's important to just be brave and be open to try to communicate with people because you never know if you might meet your new best friend. You might have like this best friend in the world who's right there and you guys have so much in common, but if you don't try to find them or talk to them, you, you'll never know. Um, I really like to cook. It's one of my favorite hobbies. So I love to, um, you know, connect with people now online, especially on YouTube and on Facebook um, and share different, you know, recipes and cooking videos and exchange tips from our cookbooks. And it's really fun to do that and incorporate different languages. That's one of my, um, my, my favorite things to do is when I'm cooking and I want to just practice a little bit, I think about the different spices and I'm like, do I know how to say that? 
how do I say that in Arabic? How do I say that in German? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And just have it coming back to me, looking at, you know, sage and oregano and whatever. And like, ooh, these are good ones to, to try and practice with. And um, as well as the various social media and such, um, like you were saying, you, um, you have these communities online and you use these resources to, to kind of like DM people in other languages and such. And I think it, it really ties in with your, uh, with your company name, Speak at Home Tonight. And that's kind of, especially nowadays that uh, for we don't know how long, it's going to be a bit more difficult to be traveling to the country. And a lot of people might feel that that is going to make language learning um, kind of become uh, more difficult as a result. So what would you say to people who um, are confined in home but might feel like there's not that much that they can do to be able to get immersed in a language? Oh, that is so silly. We can definitely get immersed in a language. It's my, um, there are so many ways, even, you know, if you are in a different country, you can feel like you're somewhere else from home. It's completely possible. Just, you know, you can do so many different things just from, you know, putting the news on or putting the radio on in a different language, in a different country, um, and spend the whole day just as if you're there, even if you're researching, ooh, which restaurant am I going to go to and pull up a restaurant website and a menu and look through and read what are we going to do today and you know just really there are so many ways to make yourself feel like you're in another place just completely surrounding yourself with as much of the language as possible and really just forcing yourself to think in that language or do everything you can in that language and really slow it down and as simple things like I am brushing my teeth right now. Just think think about how would you say that and practice um, saying it once your toothbrush is out of your mouth. Like, yes, I am doing this right now. This is happening. Just keep repeating it and, you know, practicing. I'm, I'm a really big fan of recording yourself. It's awkward, but it works. If you see the progress that you make by having conversations with yourself, um, there's just so much to do. And I love online language schools. There are so many great ones and being able to, especially um, like I personally enjoy taking group classes because I like to be around other people and hear other people because they might know something that I don't know. And then I can learn from the, the students as well as the teacher um, that kind of keeps things fun and makes you feel social too. And, you know, the, there are so many websites, so many great teachers online. Um, I would say also to not feel demotivated if you take a class and you don't bond with the teacher or you don't feel like, you know, you take a class or two classes and um, it's not working, that's okay. You can find another teacher or another um, person to speak with. It's just, you know, you know, it's, it happens, or you might have an off day, but you just got to keep trying. So it sounds like you have a lot of different techniques that you use to really maximize the time that you spend studying your languages. And this is the language hacking podcast. So I do want to ask you, what is language hacking to you? Great question. <laughs> language hacking to me is to do what works best for me. Um, that means that I don't judge myself for not doing things like everyone else. Um, I, I'm a big fan of speaking first and kind of figuring out the grammar later. 
um, so that I can actually start to speak and have a conversation. And it can feel really uncomfortable, um, but it made me realize that I can communicate without perfect grammar. And, you know, a lot of times if I keep making the same mistake, someone will correct me and I can learn it and then just keep practicing and kind of fill in the blanks with all the grammar stuff later. So doing what works for me, making up songs, translating songs, just doing things so that things work for my personal language style, because um, there's so much knowledge out there and it's kind of just the way that works best in your head to kind of grab it and keep keep a hold on to it. I really like that, yeah, because it's it's very easy to get a lot of uh, advice online. You must do this, you have to do that. And some things do work for a lot of people, but ultimately I, th I like that definition of language hacking, of finding what the best approach for me. Yeah. Because the, the person themselves doing the research is going to find something that works for them that maybe doesn't, doesn't, isn't in use for a lot of people. Yeah. And I think that that's important to absolutely embrace that. And what, yeah. what interesting, unique uh, like uh, hacks do you think have, have come your way over the years that you don't think a lot of people have tended to apply? Mm. I, you know, sometimes you, you think of like, this is what I do. I don't know. Maybe everybody does this, that kind of thing. Oh, there are so many things that, you know, every day I'm just using, uh, just, you know, let's see, let's see some other, um, hacking approaches. I do a lot of, um, just simple tasks in different languages and just try to use those and repeat those. Um, I, you know, let's see, I really am a fan of keeping that list of phrases that I add to, especially favorite phrases, and then just keep using them. And um, I always love suggesting, you know, listening to music in different languages and having those favorite songs and learning phrases from those songs and then using them. Um, you know, it's music, so it's, it, but there's a lot of different like cool phrases that you can find that make you sound like you really know what you're talking about when you're learning a language. And finally, I'm a big fan of reality TV. It might not be, you know, the, the most intellectual thing to say, but for me, I find that that makes it easier to learn some conversational language by watching like one of the reality shows because people are talking and they're just having simple conversations that can help you learn how it sounds when people are speaking in that language. So I'm on YouTube and I'm watching different reality shows and I love cooking shows and, you know, master chef, you know, master chef is in like every country. Um, America's next top model, Germany's next top model, Poland's next top model. You've got all these shows and it's just fun for me to watch that kind of TV. So we asked you earlier kind of what projects you're working on and things like that. And so do you have anything in particular that you're working on that you'd like to share with us now? Right now I am teaching my son to speak as much as possible and kind of um, looking at different methods that work for toddlers his age. I've had, um, I previously started teaching kids that were two years old. So this is interesting for me to start younger and see what's working with a younger aged child. And um, that's something that I'm hoping to help more parents at home with um, trying to get their kids to understand multiple languages um, and especially approaching it from instead of just two languages, seeing multiple languages at home. Um, it's something that, you know, I've, I've 
thought I knew more about, but now that I'm in it, it's definitely different. So working on that and um, learning, learning more, um, learning more methods that work with younger children. That's kind of, um, I'm excited to keep going and share the more things, share more videos and kind of um, just a lot of, a lot more content for people trying to teach your young kids languages at home. Okay, and if uh, people want to uh, follow you online, then uh, where, where can they find you and how can they find you? Yes, so you can find me at Speak at Home Tonight on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube, speakathometonight.com and Speak Tonight on Twitter, also on Pinterest and pretty much everywhere. Um, yeah, and I definitely want to chat with everybody. Message me if you never, if you don't have someone to talk to, send me a video or a voice memo or a vid, you know, anything. I, I love to hear from everybody and it's just fun. I love to hear what everybody's up to. Absolutely. So thank you very much for joining us today and for sharing your thoughts on uh, learning languages. And as you said, everyone just look for Speak at Home tonight. It's all over the uh, many social media networks and her, her own site and you'll get um, way more tips from her moving forward. So thanks again. And um, uh, for everybody else, I want to, of course, wish you a very happy language learning in your own projects. And we'll see you next time. See you next time. Happy learning. A lot of learners worry that they don't have enough time to learn a new language. And when they do finally start, they struggle to maintain a consistent study routine. As a language entrepreneur and mom, Nikki can relate. So she's developed a few key habits to make sure she fits her language learning into her busy schedule. Here's her advice. It's important to do a little bit each day, no matter how chaotic life gets. Start with something small and do it regularly. These little moments of language practice add up over time. Not sure what to do? Things like writing a post on Instagram, working out in another language, chatting or FaceTiming with friends and family, or watching something on Netflix in another language are just a few things you can do. What are your strategies for getting exposure to your language? Share them with us in the comments for this episode at languagehacking.com 10. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Language Hacking Podcast. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you found this episode valuable and want to help us out, please leave a review at languagehacking.com forward slash review. The Language Hacking Podcast is presented by Benny Lewis and Shannon Kennedy and produced by David Sobel, with special thanks to the Fluent in Three Months team. The theme music was written and performed by Shannon Kennedy. Find the show notes at languagehacking.com forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening and happy language learning.